timeless tale of a curmudgeonly doctor and his reluctant assistant doing good in the world. The Toho guys crack open their medical textbooks and diagnose another Kurosawa classic in episode 38, Redbeard, coming up next. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Toho Yaro, your Japanese film club podcast. Um, for this month, I am your host, Alex, and with me, as always, are Joey Weiser. Hey, everybody. And Scott Dryman. Hello, hello. And today we were going to be talking about Redbeard, or Akahige, a 1965 directed by Akira Kurosawa. Uh, once again, apologies for the lateness of this episode, and the, uh, the things have gotten busy. The summertime is generally a busy month for us, and um, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, we're, yeah, somehow got pushed pretty far behind, but it's all right, uh, you know. Maybe we'll try to catch up uh, one of these months where we can kind of pile two in a month or something like that. Yeah, and we uh, so we um, ended up um, watching Agahige. Um, this is a movie that you can see on the Criterion Channel, amongst other mm-hmm. Akira Kurosawa films and movies that we uh, have and will cover on this show. Uh, this can also be viewed on Canopy, which is a free service if you have a library card, which is pretty cool. Uh, but uh, I, I watched this one on um, on the Criterion Channel. It's great. Uh, they're not paying us anything to. <laughs> to show them, but I wish they would. Uh, and uh, before we really start, uh, did you guys have any prior experience with this film? Nope. I'd heard of it, but didn't even know what it was about. Uh, I knew what it was about, but had never watched it before. Uh, so I went in fairly blind. Yeah. I uh, didn't. Um, I knew about this movie for a very long time. A friend of mine recommended it to me. And uh, when he told me the premise, I didn't realize that it was in the Edo period mm. until uh, you know, until I started watching it, really, <laughs> or until I just saw some pics. Uh, I thought it was a contempor- more a contemporary type movie, yeah. Uh, but it was still uh, it was still very good. Um, so this is another film that we've covered, directed by the uh, the famous and incomparable Akira Kurosawa. Please check out one of our other episodes for notes on Mr. Kurosawa. And uh, this is another. Uh, this is yet another Kurosawa movie that features uh, one of his main men, uh, Toshiro Mifune. Yeah. Actually, their last film together. Oh, is that so? Yeah, they didn't speak for decades after they made this over some argument that they had and then hmm. reconciled decades later. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, is is weird. I wonder wow. what it was about. I did not or if know it that. Had, uh, or if it had anything to do with uh, just Toho Pictures. Um, no idea. That's an, that's very interesting. 
so um, this film was based on a short story collection called Ake, uh, Akahige Shinryutan. Uh, I'm sorry, Shinryotan. Uh, and um, several different sources provide uh, are, are are basically um, elements of this of this particular movie. There's a uh, Dostoevsky novel called Humiliated and Insulted, which provided the source for uh, Otoyo's subplot. And um, according to Wikipedia, the film looks at the problem of social injustice and explores two of Kurosawa's favorite topics, humanism and uh, existentialism. Now, uh, the the interesting thing about this movie that I noticed is that like uh, the overall theme, it's... Um, this seems like a like a series of vignettes, right? This movie, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not one one overarching uh, plot. It's it's sort of like a uh, well, here's the village, and here are the people in the village, and here's the story of all the people in the village. Uh, that's that's sort of. I, I wish there was a, a better, more concise one word way to put <laughs> that, but that's that's sort of what I got from it. Yeah, I uh, I didn't read about the movie before watching it and reading afterwards that it was based on a novel that was divided into all these different vignettes made a lot more sense for how episodic the movie actually is. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, I didn't realize how long it was until I started watching it as well. <laughs> so long that it needs an intermission yep. at the, uh, at the uh, almost two-hour mark. So uh, cast-wise, um, we have a big cast, but... Uh, and. So we'll we'll get right into that. Uh, the um, the main character of uh, Noboru Yatsumoto is played by uh, Yuzo Kayama. Now, now this dude, um, he has uh, he's he's been in Sanjiro. He's been in another Akira Kurosawa production. Uh, but the thing that I found very interesting about this man is that uh, he uh, he played some surf rock in the uh, in the sixties. Nice. <laughs> yes. Um, one of his best-known instrumentals is a song called Black Sand Beach. And um, apparently uh, he won uh, a couple of awards. Um, huh. th- yeah, the, this, this disc, uh, there's, a, there's a particular record called Kimi, Kimi to Itsimademo, which means love forever, uh, sold over 2 million copies and um, – was awarded a gold disc in 1965, and at that point was the biggest selling record in the Japanese recording industry's history. So uh, there's that, and he's also accomplished artist. <laughs> in 2016, he made a an art piece to commemorate uh, 2,500,000 downloads for the mobile game Terra Battle, and it's featured <laughs> as the background for the game's title screen. I was so, not expecting the second half of that statement. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. He hasn't he's he's been in a handful of movies and some television. Um and uh Oh my god. <laughs> uh he is in um well it says here he plays himself in Kochikame, the uh oh, I, well. did, I I I guess the anime. In the um, anime. Which is crazy. <laughs> um now uh so, uh, kind of makes sense as the you know the common comparison with Kochikame is it's like the Simpsons like people say you know it's very episodic and it deals with like current events and things so I'm not surprised that there's like celebrity guests yeah yeah it's pretty crazy uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting I didn't know that uh, I mean I knew how prolific it was but this is the first I've heard of any guest appearances <laughs> on that show um, 
Another interesting fact, Ken Uehara is his father. Ken Uehara, uh, very prolific, very, very prolific Japanese film actor. Um, and I, God, I want to say that we've covered uh, a movie or two that he has been in. Um, but I just can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Not sure. Yeah. So uh, next, um, playing the character of uh, Sahachi, the, uh, I, I would call him a scene-stealing character, uh, is uh, our friend uh, Tsutomu Yamazaki, who... Know, uh, what a shock. Yeah. Yes. I super <laughs> did not recognize him. Me either. Uh, well, for for one, he's young as hell in this movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he's about, uh, I would say, 20 years younger than, than when we saw him in Tampopo and the funeral. Um, yeah, I, I, if you've listened to this show, then you then you know uh, Yamazaki well. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of made up to look like an old person for most of the movie yeah it's really so crazy how well that's different done. looking yeah i gotta say um on a tangent the makeup in this movie is very well done hmm. um we'll get to that as soon as you know when we get to the synopsis of it uh reiko don uh she is in the movie she plays osugi um she was also in sanjiro and uh a few other movies um I also have uh, in, on here uh, Kyoko Kagawa. Uh, Miss Kagawa uh, plays the Mantis, uh, kind of a bit part in this movie, but um, very uh, a very tense scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's been in a, a, a whole <coughs> lot of uh, a whole lot of movies as well, um, uh, including Mothra and uh, Torasan's Dream of Spring, uh, which I think takes. That one takes place in the Nagano region. Right. Yeah, yeah, so... She's the Madonna in that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of um, Torsan kind of regulars in this movie, like a lot of sort of background characters that that are mm-hmm. people that uh, he uses a lot as kind of different characters, not, you know, the core family or something, but like a guy who will show up as a, you know, another salesman or a soba shop guy or something like that, like... Um, in this movie, there are a ton of guys. So I was like, "Oh, there's a Torasan guy. Oh, there's another Torasan guy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking speaking of, um, <laughs> would you know what Chishu Ryu is in this movie? <laughs> yep. Sure enough. Yeah. Just pops the, like in final there. cherry on top <laughs> yeah. of Torasan guys. That's right. Um, another. Uh, uh, there is a whole lot of people in this movie, but one one actress in particular that I kind of wanted to point out is a uh, Haruko Sugimura who plays the madam. Uh, the the owner of the brothel. Uh, just I I wanted uh, I wanted to highlight her because I thought um, she had a very colorful character. Uh, mm. uh, we've seen her before in Quaidon. Oh, so and she's in uh, a bunch of other uh, Ozu movies, including Good Morning, uh, Floating Weeds, uh, Tokyo Twilight. So she she seems to be a um, an Ozu regular. Uh. And uh, oh, she's in Tokyo Story as well. So yeah, she's she's quite prolific as well, yeah, playing a bit of a bit part in this movie. Uh, and I also kind of want to talk about the composer for this movie. Um, the first thing that I noticed as soon as the movie started was, "Wow, this music is really good." Um, well, that's because it's composed by Masaru Sato. Uh, if you've seen any uh most kurosawa movies you'll recognize him uh during his 44 year association with toho studios he wrote over 300 film scores 
Uh, he ended up carrying on the torch uh, for composing Kurosawa's music um, after uh, Fumio Hayasaka died, and uh, he did this for about a decade. Uh, other movies that he've done, he has done in Kurosawa's uh, oeuvre include Throne of Blood, Sanjiro, Yojimbo, High and Low, Hidden Fortress, and he worked in tandem with Hayasaka on uh, Seven Samurai. Now, uh, this is something uh, that Joey might enjoy. His first score was for Godzilla Raids Again in 1955. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and not just that, but he composed the music for three Jun Fukuda-directed Godzilla films. Uh, Ebira, Horror of the Deep, uh, Son of Godzilla, and Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Oh, nice. <laughs> Some of the goofy yeah. ones. That's right. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, bef- uh, before we start, uh, anything we want to get out... Um, no, I guess we'll just start with the with the synopsis. Um, since this is a very long movie, I won't be giving a super play by play, but uh, but I will go ahead and start. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So this movie takes place in uh, eighteen twenty. Uh, the main character is a uh, a doctor Yasumoto uh, who has returned to Edo after graduating from a medical school, in, uh, a Dutch medical school in Nagasaki. Um, uh, he is uh, he's taken to this medical clinic and uh, which is managed by this uh, this man named Akahige uh, or rather um, Dr. Nide uh, he says that is he sa- uh, when when he's presented to uh, Akahige uh, he says yes everybody calls me Akahige uh, because my name is uh, generally hard to pronounce uh, Nide Kyojo and I don't I, I personally think that's super hard to pronounce but uh <laughs> That's that. That might just be me. Maybe there's some nuance we're missing. Yes. Um. So the the uh, were the first uh, I guess the first 15 minutes we're given a basically a tour of the clinic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're led to believe that this clinic is basically disease ridden, uh, dilapidated. Akahige is strict and tough and mean. Uh, he's basically like a dictator. Uh. You know, there's there's outpatients, but they're not doing uh, super hot. Uh, we're basically given the tour, um, and uh, and um, Yasumoto doesn't exactly uh, he, he's he's not exactly taken in by this. Um, he he was expected to work. Yeah, so <clears throat> a bit of a uh, there was a bit of a mix up. He um, I actually didn't follow this very well. Uh, this this bit like what. What uh, I think what he was like training to be to to eventually like care for rich people basically, and yeah. this is a poor people's doctor office essentially. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So um, so basically, he uh, he found out that the the doctors here were expected to sacrifice uh, sacrifice son because the patients needed um. Uh, rooms for the sun uh, with with, uh, with sun uh, heat and tatami mats and they make a huge um, a huge deal out of this mm-hmm. um, in, in, a, in a particularly interesting scene where they where they're uh, where one of the patients mentions that um, where does it say in my notes here uh, you know patients are resigned to their fates but um but like you know, they're like, oh yeah, well we're gonna die, you know. But like, we really would like some tatami mats. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yes. So, and Redbeard himself, Akahige, uh, he is described as a dictator, um, but dedicated uh, and a great doctor. Like, there's a whole slew of, of uh, negative adjectives, but also some positive ones, too. Um, as a character, uh, I found that uh, Akahige reminds me of like an old man in One Piece, where <laughs> he is, uh, where he is this um, like very dedicated, dedicated man, but he's strong and uh, commanding, mm-hmm. and um, like Stern. Yeah. yeah, and and has wisdom like out the wazoo, like he's. Uh, yeah, but he genuinely like cares for people and has like a very warm heart. Yes. Um under Dr. all that. Yeah. Dr. Kareha. Uh-huh. I'm uh, I'm always a big fan of curmudgeonly doctor characters in almost any fiction. Um since it's a, a big trope in western uh, stories too. But I do like that it's established real up front that like even though Yasumoto is like turning up his nose at all these strict rules that one of the patients points out like no we wear these simple clothes because they're easy to clean and we can tell if they're dirty so it keeps us from getting sick and that's yep. no tatami mats or so we don't get them dirty and get germs or, or moisture trapped in places and so yep. you can you even though this is Edo period you get the feeling that uh that Akihige is really on the like cutting edge of uh, medical science at the time mm. Yeah, um, it's 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 quite interesting. Um, he's uh, he's very he's very interested in Yasumoto's um, notes. Apparently, he took these amazing he had you know amazing notes and uh, that that he learned at his uh, at his Dutch medical school. Uh, and of course, Yasumoto is very uh, he's very very cross about this whole whole situation. So he spends um, he spends. Uh, the remainder of this uh, of this first act really just rebelling, not doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, he yells at the um, he yells at the kitchen staff to bring him sake, but they say, "Oh, well, sake is not allowed." He's like, "I don't care. I'm just going to keep breaking the rules until I get kicked out of here." <laughs> um, he actively complained that the uh, that the patient stank, um, which uh, to which this was referred to as the smell of poverty, like the poor people. Mm. This is what poor people smell like. Um, there's, a. there, um, at one point he's, he does this, uh, this thing, the way he reclines is very interesting. Like, you know, he's got his head on one hand and has his feet up and, uh, I would call this the classic samurai loafing around pose. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He's, he's just on his side. Yeah. He loaf, he's a, he's a loafer. He loafs around. Um, uh, and he does this in front of the uh, this uh, that this isolated ward uh, where a murderous female uh, mental patient, which um, he had been told to avoid before, only only uh, Doctor Nide goes there. Um, he kind of hangs out there. Uh, so so basically, um, he, uh, he this doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, he's sort of hanging out, and the the staff at the clinic s- uh, starts freaking out because uh, the mantis has escaped from her ward. So uh, Doctor Nide and um, Osugi, who is um, who is the nurse, the resident nurse, uh, go out looking for her, and uh, she sh- suddenly shows up in Yasumoto's bedroom, and 
uh, gives her gives him a, a sob story of the sob story of her life, um, how uh, she had been uh, raped many many times uh, from childhood, and uh, and uh, she needed to keep quiet, otherwise you know she, they would uh, they would come after her. And after a few years, after she had had enough of the sexual abuse, and she snapped, uh, she killed three men with her um, with her hairpin. Uh, after uh, after seducing them, uh, so the reason that she has this nickname Mantis is because that's well, this is what a mantis does, similar to a black widow, when uh, the when a praying mantis uh, copulates with with the uh, with its partner, um, she decapitates them, which is uh, in in case you didn't know biology, uh, <laughs> so. Um, she ends up uh, while she tells her story to uh, Yasumoto, she manages to get him in. Like uh, she ties him up with with her kimono, and uh, and pretty much has him uh, almost almost killed. Uh, but Akahige rushes in and saves the day, uh, and um, and uh, he excuses uh, Yasumoto for being drunk and for his weakness because. Uh, um, he fell for her charm, as did do all other men. Uh, I do like the that uh, Doctor Nide does point out that, like, n- no, she she is not like this because of her abuse. A lot of women uh, in the world go through this and and don't become murderers. That there is like something else psychologically at work here which like I was real worried it was going to be just like yeah women get abused and then they turn into monsters but mm-hmm. but it's it's treated better than that which is like that's something that like everybody in this movie is treated better in in a lot of ways than you initially expect just because that's how Kurosawa is about like oppressed people in, in mm-hmm. any situation yeah uh, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it, this is very indicative of a Kurosawa movie. And the thing that you notice throughout the movie is that like kindness is what sort of like you notice throughout the movie that everybody sort of, uh, sort of begins to realize a few things and becomes more kind as they go. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, over, over time now, uh, y- Yasumoto starts to, uh, starts to integrate himself a little more into, into his duties. He still hasn't. He still does not wear his uniform, though. That's that's important. Um, he'll still wear his uh, his civvies, uh, and uh, he's he's called into the operating room for his first job. Um, a woman is being performed uh, surgery on, and uh, I, I boy, that oh, there there are a whole bunch of scenes in this movie where I'm just like, oh god, just just because of either the uh, the sound foley or. Um, or the description of what's happening, mm-hmm. um, but either way, uh, at one point, like they talk about, like, oh, her intestines are falling out, and then he faints. Um, yeah, so uh, his um, uh, <clears throat> let's see here. Yes, um, so Yasumoto discovers uh, that um, that uh, even though Doctor uh, Doctor Nide Akihige. Um, you know, appears like he's rock hard on the outside. Actually, uh, has a kind heart. He gets uh, he gets some Rio to help patient's uh, daughter who has three small children. Um, 
the old man just passed away right before her arrival. And uh, he said he was able to get the money from the magistrate because he knew the judge had a mistress on the side. Um, he, uh, he says that uh, this might, uh, he might make this information public and uh, Akahige was able to get the charges against her for attacking her husband dropped. Um, so uh, there's, there's uh, I guess we'll, we learn about this, uh, of course, pretty soon um, that the funds for the clinic are getting cuffed by the government. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, more than more than anything, uh, Akahige's uh, lot in life is to be a doctor. He is very dedicated to this, and he wants to help people. Um, so this is this is something that is is uh, weighs weighs over his head a lot. Um, uh, eventually, uh, over over time, uh, over time, Yasumoto starts to put on the uniform. Now there's this scene where. Um, where Akahige tells him that uh, that the most solemn you'll ever see a man is on his deathbed, uh, and he doesn't. Um, I, I feel like he doesn't. Uh, this he doesn't really get that uh, at first. He was he's told to watch. Um, the guy's name escapes me, um, but this man is dying, um, and he can't he can't stand to watch it. But. Um, there is another character by the name of Sahachi, who is a wheel worker, and um, uh, Sahachi is a uh, basically. Um, I had a little bit of trouble discerning what his deal was at first, but um, his whole thing is he's like that guy in the neighborhood that is always willing to do something for somebody else or like right. share his stuff with somebody else. He's just super altruistic and friendly and everybody loves him. Okay, great. Cause I, I had trouble figuring out whether or not he was actually a patient or not at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause he's just sitting there working uh, for the, for the most part. But yeah, they, they continually yell at him for working cause he's not supposed to be, but he's that dedicated to helping other people. Yes. So, um, generally, uh, so he's, he's a pretty, he's pretty old. Um, and, uh, at this point in the movie, he's dying. Uh, and when, um, he's in the clinic, uh, and almost, almost as if, you know, uh, there's some sort of divine presence, uh, uh, around a mud, uh, a mudslide happens. It shakes the clinic and, uh, a skeleton is unearthed and, um, <coughs> And Sahachi calls everybody in to uh, explain everything uh, on his deathbed, which uh, you got to give him credit for telling a half-hour-long story before he's <laughs> about to croak. <laughs> uh, but the skeleton belongs to his wife, um, and he didn't kill her, uh, which is a great and it's, it's a it's a really tragic story. That's sort of like uh, it's a movie within a movie, I would say. Yeah. Um, uh, Sahachi's tale. Uh, uh, about his uh, about his wife, um, and um, I uh, this this story is is basically what moves um, this story is basically what moves uh, Yasumoto to finally put his his uniform on. I think that's like that's the that's the real turning point for him. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, after, after complaining about, uh, about the government cutting their funds, 
Uh, Nide goes with Yasmodo to uh, to see a wealthy lord who um, who is meant to look obese. Uh, he is wearing a lot of makeup. <laughs> uh, I guess what the equivalent of a fat suit would be, and you, you can sort of he's got these yeah. this la- labored breathing that's <laughs> big jowls. like snoring. Yeah, um, and he scolds the um, he scolds the lord and the lord's uh, assistant. Um, for not adhering to the diet that he gave him. And um, uh, he charged him 50 Rio, which which is quite huge, uh, apparently. And um, as as they're getting paid, uh, they're getting paid by... um, by, uh, Takashi Shimura. (laughs) That's right. It's (laughs) it's, it's our, our buddy. Um, showing up in yet another <laughs> one of our movies. Yeah, really of course. Keep it, we should keep a tally at this point. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, and I think at that point he's like, "Oh, thirty, right? It was thirty, right?" And uh, and he says, "Yeah, it was 30. Um, gosh, I wish I'd taken more notes around this around this point because uh, there's there's something cool that he says. He says something really really cool. Uh, uh, there's there I can't remember the exact quote, but there's the a back and forth between uh Shimmer's character, the I guess the treasurer and Akahige, where uh the treasurer is like, so uh is is what what do doctors do? Because you said that you can't yeah. you can't he actually heal a patient, you can just like watch them tell what's wrong and that's right akihige goes into the whole thing which he he went into earlier is like well we we can't really do much sometimes uh sick people who are doing poorly get better and sometimes sick people who are doing okay get worse we don't really control that yeah it's it's almost as if the treasurer is basically saying we so we don't really need you right like that's <laughs> that's sort of what i got from that yeah yeah um and it's a sort of one of the first times we've seen takashi Shimura play sort of like a sinister type character mm. uh in, in in the movies that we've watched anyway but yeah the the difference is in the other time that he is explaining this to uh to yasumoto he he talks about how like the things that doctors can do and and that like you try to educate people and try to to help where you can help the downtrodden and the poor, which he does not impart this wisdom to, to the treasurer because he's just sitting there just kind of being this, uh, asshole about it yeah. <laughs> because of his, his rich man's perspective. Yeah. Yep. He wouldn't, that wouldn't really resonate with him. That, that part of it. Yeah. Um, so pretty much right after this, they, um, they go to a broth, a brothel to, um, to inspect a patient who has syphilis, uh, and then they realize, and then they discover that the madam uh, and her uh, and her assistant were um, getting a twelve-year-old girl ready by way of beating to receive customers. Uh, Akahige um, basically says, "This girl is is sick. We're taking her." And <coughs> at this point, the madam, uh, who does not like this, calls for uh, calls for about a dozen thugs. Um, and uh, they're like, hey, outside. And Akihige's like, well, uh, he has this really cool line. He says, uh, you know, a bad doctor can kill you. Uh, um, <laughs> and then he says, in this point, I'll just break a few legs and, and arms. And um, 
then there's this really exciting fight scene where uh, Akahige takes on every single one of these guys without a weapon um, and uh, gives them some really nasty compound fractures. And yeah, this, uh, is, this is where that fully work comes into play. God. <laughs> it's a really brutal fight. And then afterwards, he asks Yasumoto to patch them up. Um, yeah, there's he's a, a very doctor. like superhero type like. Because he's a doctor, he knows exactly their pressure points and how to, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not done so silly like that, but it's, you know, it, it it's a funny perspective that I wasn't expecting exactly. Yeah, and it's interesting because the actual fight scene is is just is pretty standard. Uh, aside from the foley, there's no like special effects on mm-hmm. on the actual stuff when he's like pretending to break their bones. But then afterwards, when he's inspecting the aftermath, they've all got these like gruesome like bones sticking out of their arms and shoulders and stuff yeah, it's really gross yeah. yeah he's like oh i went too far <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so they take the girl eventually and um akahige uh assigns yasumoto to care for her uh she's she's her first patient he tells her and um uh so not only was is she physically sick but uh but because of uh all the all the abuse that she has suffered, um, she manifested uh, a lot of a lot of mental uh, uh, mental abuse as well. Um, she wipes the floor without stopping when when she's not uh, in bed. Um, she doesn't speak. She refuses any any uh, sort of kindness at all. Um, at one point, uh, she she, um, she breaks she breaks a bowl when offered food. And, uh, and then eventually like she sort of runs off and, uh, and Yasumoto finds her on a bridge, uh, begging. And then she uses the money that she got begging to replace the bowl that she cracked. And at this point, Yasumoto realizes that like, oh, this is, she's exhibiting some kindness. And, uh, over time, over time, uh, she starts to accept, uh, actual treatment, I think I found really heartbreaking about that scene is when he comes up uh, to to be like, "Hey, wow, you bought that bowl!" Like it surprises her and she drops it and breaks yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, "Oh no, she's gonna have to get another one." I know. Yeah. The thing I love about that though is that like it's clearly the principle of it mm-hmm. that that like and the fact that that his patient is actually getting better. Um, yeah. Like. For, for a first patient to be someone who is not only physically sick, but also, you know, trying to get over uh, PTSD, like, you know, he's, he's making some waves there. And, and the thing that does the real breakthrough is that like, he apologizes to her, not for having broken the new bowl, but it, for having even given her the impression that she had to replace the one that she broke the other night. But he like very, very heartfelt, just like apologizes for, making it making her feel like she did anything wrong and that's when she like opens up to him yeah, yeah and this is all really nice and, and this kind of comes from um akahige's example of like he's the one who first was able to like feed her by like continuously trying over and over again and i feel like that scene is one where i really kind of like s- started showing me more so uh like red beard's like kindness and it's a kind of interesting way that like and it might have just been this way in that time when there wasn't some so much fractured medicine and stuff that he's also sort of a uh 
counselor and psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever, as well as a medical doctor, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. It's all facets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of funny because over, over the course of this movie, uh, Yasumoto begins to say stuff like, Oh, uh, you know, the old man isn't so bad after all, but like the only person who really, uh, who builds Akahige up to be this, uh, dictator, this monster is, uh, is this is this uh, this guy Genzo who shows him around uh, the hospital to begin with, mm-hmm. uh, whom whom he's uh, whom y- uh, Yasumoto is replacing, uh, and I didn't really see uh, I haven't seen I didn't didn't see Akahige as anybody particularly like terrible. He's just very stern and is a man of few words at first, mm-hmm. uh, telling you know telling Yasumoto, give me your notes. I want to see your notes. Your stuff's here. Give me your stuff. Uh, but um, but yeah, it's it's when it, it, you don't really start to get that until you see him start opening up and talking to Yasumoto more about uh, you know about about his uh, you know his concerns and stuff. It's it's kind of uh, kind of interesting. Um. So uh, the uh, the other doctor at the clinic, um, who um, uh, Mori, I believe his name is, um, he uh. While um, while he is having a bit of a a moment with Osugi, uh, apparently the mantis uh, tries to uh, hang herself in her um, in her in her ward. Um, oh, I guess I I guess I skipped over a bit. Um, so uh, Yasumoto has has a visitor named Masai. Um, and this is this is the part where I got a little lost in the movie, be, just because you know talking about people who aren't there uh, at 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 length can uh, put a damper on uh, mm-hmm. pacing and uh, and um, and coherence a little bit. But let's see if I got this. Uh, so Masai is uh, uh, Yasumoto's ex fiance's sister, uh, whose name was Chigusa, and. Um, so he refuses to see Masai, but uh, there's a day where um, where she waits for uh, Yas- Yasumoto at the gate. Uh, he talks with her, invites her inside, and um, uh, Masai had seen that uh, Otoyo had been wearing uh, the same torn up weathered kimono uh, and brought her some nice clothes. But uh, but at this point, Otoyo has a bit of a crush on Yasumoto and. Uh, Throws these new clothes in the mud out of jealousy, um, and then at this point the uh, the the laundry Obahan crew, uh, oh, <laughs> were absolutely awesome. Um, they kind of scold her a little bit, saying like, "Oh, don't throw away the happiness that uh, that you've been given." Um, yeah, those ladies reminded me specifically of the ladies from Princess Mononoke, but of a lot of sort of <laughs> gaggles of ladies from various Miyazaki movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're all peas in a pod, and and they uh, I, they're they're a nice uh, they're a nice little a uh, bit of color throughout the movie because they're there like all the time, and um, they're often you know uh, gossiping uh, Tiasimoto, and um, sort of at the beginning, sort of giving him a little bit of guidance too. It's 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 fun, um, but. Uh, uh, Akahige mentions that this um, that Oito's love, which I, I wrote in my notes. Oh God, I hope this isn't like a weird underage love story. But uh, I, I, luckily, lucky for me, Akahige 
uh, was it, it tells the audience, oh no, this is this is more of her just sort of opening up to a person. Uh, and this is her first step in being able to see the good in people and overcoming uh, her PTSD. Mm-hmm. And uh, with with in, in time, she'll be able to love other people as well, um, not just the person who took care of her. Um, so uh, at this point, yes, the mantis tries hanging herself. Um, the mantis' father has come and uh, has scolded Osugi severely for um, for not paying enough attention, but then. Uh, Akihige comes and reprimands the father for not caring enough for his own daughter, allowing strangers to take advantage of her, which causes her uh, her illness. Which which I think is interesting because early in the movie he says that this is she was just born this way. So, um, I am uh, I'm not really sure what the narrative there is. Um, so uh, Otoyo's uh, hanging out in the kitchen, and uh, a a rope with uh, <laughs> with a bowl attached to it uh, uh, basically comes down to fish some gruel, and it's a it's a young uh, young be- uh, beggar boy um, who at this point in the movie is known as uh, the little rat, mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's chased out, of course, um, and uh, he begins to develop a bit of a friendship with um, with uh, with Otoyo. The boy's name is Chubo. And uh, he's got he's got a whole family, and he um, he basically goes around stealing uh, so he can help feed the family. And then at one point, uh, he um, in what I call the the laundry garden uh, meets uh, Otoyo <laughs> and um, offers uh, offers her some candy that he stole, and uh, she tells her she tells him, "Well, candy's a little different than uh, than gruel because you know." Gruel is something that you need to eat, but uh, you know, candy. This is this is kind of frivolous, um, and he wants to share it with her, but she says, "No, you know, share it with your brothers." Uh, so um, that uh, that laundry garden is a really great visual, like it, isn't it? It, it like yeah. really provides some really great things where people can like look under and see feet walking around, and you can have these sort of overhead shots where you see all of the different fabrics um, kind of yeah, blowing all, a little bit in the wind and stuff. Yeah. They're all the like floral pattern futons uh, yeah. draped out to dry. And yet it looks so cool the way they have them spaced out on, on these racks with a couple like blank spots for the actors to kind of play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty great. Uh, I, I wrote down that like being just a really cool shot. Um, it just looks great, and um, and uh, some of the laundry biddies uh, overhear the story because uh, over uh, like they you know they hear uh, uh, Chobo's sob story a bit, and um, uh, they completely change their mind. Um, completely change their mind about the boy, um, who they regarded as a sneak thief, and. Um, and uh, and just just a little rodent, uh, but then um, but then they start offering uh, Otoyo like more more rice, I guess, in order to give it you know give it to her friend. Um, and then at this point, uh, the madam will madam comes around, uh, happy that Otoyo is. Oh wow, you 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 know I was worried at first when you took her away. I thought I'd never see her again, but now you know what? She's fine. She can come back and work for me again. And um, we get this really great scene where. Uh, she refuses to go, and Akahige refuses to to let her go. And uh, then the Obahan, uh, the laundry biddies, they um, 
they uh, they start beating up on on the madam until she leaves. Yeah, they beat her with daikon. Yeah, yeah. repeatedly, nice. the ultimate weapon. <laughs> it just snaps yeah. so satisfyingly over somebody's head. <laughs> yes, I, I I really love that scene. It's such a it's such a good like end to that uh, thread. Um, so she meets uh, Otoyo meets with uh, Chobo again, and um, uh, he says that. Uh, He'll, he's not, uh, he came to say goodbye. He's, um, he's, uh, he's leaving with his parents and his two brothers. Uh, we're going to a, a much better place where it's beautiful and there's going to be birds that I've never seen before. And, uh, and, um, and it's, you know, it's, it's going to be, it, it's going to be a better life for me, but I, I, you know, this is going to be the last time I see you. So, so I want to get a good look at you and boy, you're pretty. Um, so uh, she, uh, Otoyo, you know, is, is a, a bit young. So she thinks that, you know, maybe they had some rich relatives who could help him out a bit, but, um, man, that, that conversation is so grim mm-hmm. because he's like, I'm, my family's going to take me to this place far away and we won't have to worry about food anymore. And I was just like, uh, yeah, yeah. We uh, won't have to worry about food and it's fun there. Like it's just. But then the reality of like when it's revealed later that he knew the whole time and that he was the one making up that story was just like that messed me up. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty messed. Yeah. So in the next scene, um, this is actually a really like I love I love the staging of this scene um, where uh, where Mori and um, and Yasumoto are using a mortar and pestle and just sort of shooting the shit a little bit. Uh uh, turns out that um, a family is poisoned, an entire family, and you find out that it's uh, Chobo's family. Um, they had all swallowed rat poison together. Um, uh, we find out, um, you know, we find out from Chobo that, uh, like, like, while he's while he's uh, while he's sitting there sick, um, that uh, he had been caught stealing again. Who's telling Oto- Otoya this? You know, uh, despite despite that Otoya told him not to steal anymore. Um, and that they, they couldn't bear having a thief in the family. So that's why they all decided to kill themselves. Um, uh, the, the two brothers, uh, ended up dying. They were brought on on gurneys. Um, but, uh, uh, and while, while Chobo is, is lying there, um, seemingly dying, uh, of course, Yasumoto says, you know, he threw up the poison. So, if he lives through the night, then he'll be okay. Um, the uh, the laundry biddies and Otoyo start screaming his name into a well, which um, I'm not sure the cultural significance of that, but I think that is a uh, my a way of I don't know maybe shouting to the heavens to to spare him. So, yeah, someone explains it in the scene that if you because a well goes down into the center of the earth. If you scream somebody's name in there, you can call their soul back after they die. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the makeup that he's wearing, like really transforms him. Uh, he looks like he's like worse for wear, but he looks like um, Frankenstein's monster because he has a giant (laughs) forehead. (laughs) He He does does. have a giant forehead. Yeah. And that's just what he looks like. Like that's, Yeah, I had, uh, yeah, okay. So, like, yeah, I he's so good in this scene, um, and his head is so big, I was, like, <laughs> starting to think that he was an adult little person that they had hired to be, uh, play a child. 
and uh, I looked him up and found adult photos of him where he's tall, you know, and so I but still with a giant head. (laughs) It's just that's just his signature giant forehead. Um, But yeah, I think he's great in this scene. Um, Yeah, it's it did specifically remind me of Frankenstein's monster because I'd been reading about the other week that like we think we always think Frankenstein's monster is green because the color stills of, uh, mm. from the film are in green, but it's actually, they painted him green because it shows up very pale white, um, mm. on in black and white film. So I'm just imagining oh. that, that young boy just sitting there with his face painted totally green. <laughs> <laughs> it could that's interesting. Yeah. I did not know that. That's, that's quite cool. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so in the end, it turns out that uh, the the parents survive, and as do uh, as as does Chobo. Um, and uh, um, so uh, Akahige brings brings news to uh, Yasumoto that uh, Masai's parents propose uh, that that uh, the two of them marry and uh, forgive uh, forgive Chigusa. Um, their father, because of the broken engagement, had forbidden uh, Chigusai to set foot in his house. But um, now that she has given birth to a baby, he wanted to forgive her in order to be able to see his grandchild. Um, yes, uh, Yasumura was also promised a post under the shogunate's wing, uh, which is basically the job that he wanted in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Yasumura, said, uh, he, um, he expresses some remorse and regret with Akihige for being a little arrogant and brash uh, upon his arrival. This is sort of, this is a really great scene where he just sort of spills his guts um, and like apologizes and, uh, and um, you know, I flying off the handle when Akahige just wanted to see his notes. Um, but, you know, the clinic had taught him how to become an actual doctor um, that, you know, it's not just the knowledge that I got from school, but like, Helping others who are much less fortunate than than he was uh, taught him to be a compassionate doctor, and uh, and in that in in that vein, the uh, the apprentice of of, uh, of Akahige. So uh, the final the final scene basically is the wedding ceremony of of uh, Masai and um, and Yasumoto in front of uh, in front of um, their parents, and of course. Uh, this is Chishi Ryu playing playing the father here. Yeah, uh, I feel like this isn't the first movie where he suddenly uh, appears in the last like yeah. ten minutes of a movie that we were watching. Yeah, um, I w- it makes me wonder if he was wandering around like you know the studio or whatever. Like, <laughs> hey, we need you to we need you to you know to work your magic. We need you to play a priest, or we need you to play a you know. Yeah, you don't have to. You, you have like two lines or something. Don't worry about it. It'll be easy. Just be your genial like friendly self and <laughs> yeah we've got you under contract we know you're yeah. here. just yeah. just go to wardrobe yeah so at the wedding um while they're getting the sake cups ready uh um yasumoto tells uh Masai that she should um be prepared to live a life without honor and money because uh he decided that he was going to continue to work at the clinic with uh with with akahige um, which who tries to talk him out of it uh, because this will be a challenging and difficult life for him and not for the faint of heart. But uh, 
But after this entire journey that Yasumoto has has gone through, he's going to stick to his uh, new convictions, and uh, and that's the end of the movie. Um, and uh, in, in the end, I guess it is basically a story about you know one person's you know story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, Akahige also mentions, well, what about you know the magistrate cutting the funds and stuff like that? Like you're gonna have to worry about that. Like here's a laundry list of things that you're going to have to worry about, and that's it. But yeah, the movie the movie ends with the two of them sort of walking off into the sunset, uh, and uh, and that's it. Yeah. So what did you guys think of uh, Akahige? Uh, I I was pretty surprised by this movie because I actually thought it was going to be a Chanbara sword fighting type movie. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, maybe with the name Redbeard, it made me think of pirates or something like that. But and, you know, of course, because um, Mifune and stuff, um, I was like. Huh. This like pretty early on, I was like, "This is not gonna be that thing." <laughs> but um, yeah, I you know, I thought it was uh, you know, it's pretty great. I I think um, I definitely I think because of the um, the structure of it being lots of vignettes, I felt the length of this one a lot more than some of the long movies we've watched. Um, yeah. I I definitely felt it kind of wearing on me a bit. This isn't like amongst my favorite Kurosawa, I would say, but I still like it, you know. Um Yeah, yeah, what I don't know, what did you guys think about it? I uh I'm fairly lukewarm on it. There's a lot of stuff I like in it, but at, like you said, I was really feeling that that runtime and for the first like third of the movie if not more uh, Yasumoto is such an unlikable character that I was just kind of adrift. And I was like, I, I like, like I said, I like curmudgeonly doctors and that's what I was here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's actually so little of Akahige in the movie. Like he's great when he shows up and he's in some, some pivotal moments, but uh, he's just this kind of like figure hovering around all these moments uh, through most of it. And yeah, it, the the pacing of it, like by the time it got to the end, uh, when when Otoyo shows up and Chubo, the characters that I actually like had compassion for, I was just real tired <laughs> because there had been so much movie before that that I felt was kind of listless. Um, but like, it's still beautifully shot uh, and incredibly well acted by most of the cast. I feel like this reminds me of a like. If you're watching professional skateboarding and somebody does really technical run where there's a lot of like non flashy grind tricks that, you know, are really hard or something. <laughs> uh, so speaking of like, it being really great, like how it's shot, it, I, I noticed the lighting in particular was like really great. There was a lot of like interesting scenes where uh, the lighting was very dramatic and and, and excellent. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like super grandiose except for the one uh, well shot at the end when it pans from looking up the well to looking down, uh, in one shot. And then to show you that it didn't get faked or anything, they actually like drop water into the, the water that it's Mm -hmm. reflecting. Um, that was super flashy, but everything else is just like super technically well done, but in a, in a way that you could just gloss over it and not really notice. Um, but, but like I said, I like the, the story of Otoyo and, and Chubo by the time we finally get to them, uh, in the back third of the movie 
and I I love Ifune as Akihige. I love him like stroking his beard constantly as as an affectation. Constantly, yeah, um, yeah. I should so, mention that uh, that Genzo in the beginning tells uh, tells him, oh yeah, he's called Akahige because he has a bit of red in his beard. Like mm-hmm. and that's and that sounds pretty uh, not you know atypical, of course, for for a Japanese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like there's there's a lot of stuff I like in the, like in this film. I don't know that I would run around recommending it to everyone like I would most other uh kurosawa films that i really love um but i think it's good just maybe could have gone without one of the vignettes in there somewhere yeah um i'm i'm inclined to agree with you uh it's it's long uh it it clocks in at three hours and five minutes which is which is uh yeah it's which is comparable to seven samurai which you know i i would i would you know, r- rather watch, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, I think everybody who's in it is really great. Um, you mentioned Mifune. Like, Mifune is, oh, wow. He's so good in this. Um, and it's and it's really cool seeing a more grizzled, older uh, character mm-hmm. for him to play versus, like, the, uh, the, you know, the standard younger, you know, more more brash, hasn't, you know, learned, learned all of his, uh, you know, learned all of his lessons quite yet um but you know yeah he's on top in this movie um i i really i i agree with you about yasumoto being unlikable um but you know that's i think that's the point obviously like you know it it shows the movie is his journey um it it shows how he changes um but but then again he kind of doesn't right because even when he's starting to warm up to being a doctor He's still kind of a brat about like, you know, uh, about Chigusa and uh, and all of that. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't he doesn't really warm up to that idea until like towards the end of the movie. Um, and yeah, I think I think Chubo and, and Otoyo have the like the like their story is is the most um, it's the most like heartwarming. And I, I think it's the, the real focal point in the movie. And which helps because they're both really good actors too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess I, I, I forgot to mention uh, that uh, Otoyo's actress is uh, Termi Niki, and she's been in uh, just a handful of stuff. Um, but she uh, she really kills it. Like her her and um, her and the the boy who plays Chubo uh, are um, like. They really, uh, they really make those those moments uh, with each other sing, uh, and uh, it is just a beautifully shot movie. Um, I, I noted a couple really good shots. I, I think I mentioned before Chubo and Otoyo in the laundry garden, um, when uh, when um, you know Redbeard uh, Akahige tells um, you know tells Yasumoto that like oh yeah I um. I'm, I basically sent for you. Um, there's this really great uh, shot where where uh, Yasumoto's turning away from from Akahige, and uh, it's such a uh, it, it's it's beautifully staged. Um, when Otoyo wakes up for the first time in the darkness, and there's light shining on her eyes, mm-hmm. I thought that was like that was cool, and that was very much an effect. Uh, yeah, 
thought that was cool. And there are a couple shots that are uh, that I don't think have any edits, like Sahashi's story, where um, where uh, you know where his um, his paramour comes in and um, and is uh, you know explaining to him why you know why she left, and uh, it, I think that is all one shot because um, hmm. I didn't notice like a single cut there. And, I. Uh... And you, I also really love these, another like detail technical precision type thing in this is the the way the seasons change in the backgrounds without anybody ever really making mention of it. Ah, that's that's a that's a really good point. I didn't um I actually didn't really uh I didn't really pick up on that, but but uh it is clear that time does pass, yeah. That's uh that's a good that's a good one. Um favorite scenes. Uh, yeah, I, I'd agree with Scott that my like favorite part in general of the movie is the stuff with, um, the stuff at the end and, and with you, Alex, I think that that's the most compelling part, but as far as just like, sort of like self-contained scene, um, I really liked, um, what's his, uh, Sahachi's like backstory flashback type mm-hmm. story that he t- tells. I, one thing that we haven't mentioned that I really like as a framing device in that is the stuff with the chimes, the wind chimes. Uh, there's that like really oh, cool yeah. scene where they like meet or something. And there's like just a ton of them, like all going off to, uh, at the same time. And it's kind of like overbearing in a way, but it's also, uh, then kind of has resonance when you hear the chimes at their house and stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that that was really compelling, and of course, it's um, Yamazaki's chance to shine in the movie, uh, which is really cool. Um, I had been ready for him because I noticed his name in the credits, in the opening credits, but like, I don't know that I would have recognized him otherwise uh, because he is so young. But once I kind of yeah. knew that that was him, I saw it and I saw him in it. But um, yeah, so that that was probably. Um, uh, a scene in particular that I liked. Um, my favorite scene is probably the one that we already spoke about with the, with Atoyo and Chubo uh, talking in the, as they're in the, the drying area for all the futons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the scene I'd actually, hi- I, I want to highlight is uh, not my favorite scene uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, when when he, uh, when Akige takes Yasumoto to the back to the dying man, and uh, they're sitting there watching him, and he's explaining just like the tragedy of this man's life and how he used to be this, you know, famed uh, craftsman who would uh, gold lacquer things, and now he's here, uh, destitute and alone, and won't even talk about how he ended up here. Um, and and the the kind of like reverence Akihige has in that moment for this man who is just so pitiful and like Yasumoto is just kind of disgusted and terrified this whole scene, um, which is right before he gets pulled away to the uh, to the surgery I think, but uh, but yeah, just the contrast in their attitudes towards this person. Um, is really fascinating and and shows the kind of like highlights the humanism that uh that kurosawa likes to uh, 
put in all of his movies. And I think this is also his most like nakedly class conscious movie of the ones that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't just like peasants versus Shogun. This is actually like, like characters straight up say like, we need to take care of these, these poor people because if we don't, who will? Um, but that scene is also like really meaningful for me, I guess, because it's kind of harrowing the, as when he leaves Yasumoto there with the old man, because it reminded me a lot, um, when my mom passed away of can- from cancer, like that scene, it, it's a little exaggerated with the kind of gurgling noises and stuff, but it, it reminded me a lot of what I've seen in real life and the kind of like the, the stoicism that Akihige had in that situation versus just the like terror and disgust and Yasumoto like really seemed real to me. Yeah, totally. And, and so, that, the thing that you mentioned about it being um, the sort of a very blatant, thing about class is interesting to me too because I feel like that's a thing that I noticed is it felt a lot more relevant than a lot of uh, uh, Kurosawa movies um, and movies from this yes. time period like it's one of those things where it's just like just issues around class uh, uh, and and medical care for uh, people in different classes and stuff like that uh, definitely like feels very relevant and in the world uh, today, <laughs> which I, I honestly have to wonder because most of this film, it like I didn't realize from the synopsis that it was a period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I And I feel like most things about the film, it, it could have been set in a contemporary setting from when it was made in the, I guess, I th- think the 60s. Yeah, totally. Um, like it could have been a contemporary film. And I, I wonder if he made it a period film to make that kind of class consciousness less uh, controversial mm-hmm. mm. by framing yeah. it as this like historical, like peasants versus uh, like nobles and magistrates and stuff. Yeah. I think it's super interesting in that uh, and, and how universal it is, uh, especially when he's talking to that Lord about his diet. Like that's such a, that's that seems such a I don't know a twentieth century, twenty uh, first century even uh, sentiment, mm-hmm. you know, like cut salt and red meat out of your diet, and uh, you know, it, and uh, oh yeah, the reason you got this way is because you're so inactive. Like it's very, like <laughs> uh, like it's it's uh it's kind of funny in that. Way, yeah, throughout right? the whole movie, I found myself uh, often wondering like what the like thinking a lot about how it was a period piece and wondering what the like standard medical practices were at that time and how this compares to those. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, uh, my favorite scene is probably Sahachi's backstory, but I also really like when, um, Agahige beat the crap out of those dudes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's so good. Like, I can't not mention that because it was really cool. And I was like, oh, this probably won't happen again in this movie. But it's really awesome that this dude is like, he's not only like strong in, in his beliefs, but he's also just like, he's a monster. He's, uh, he's white beard. He's <laughs> part, part of me really wanted the intermission, like thinking about it, wants the intermission to be after Sahachi's story. And then uh, to have that like, 
scene of him liberating Atoyo from the the brothel to be like what kicks off post intermission just to have something to yes. kind of like wake you up and shake you out of it. Mm-hmm. It should have, it should have been right. Cause the, the intermission I think happens too late. Uh, it doesn't happen at like the halfway point. Um, it, uh, slightly after. Yeah. Cause when, 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 as soon as he puts on that uniform, things change, you know, like that's when, that's when like the second chapter of the story begins, you know, mm. it very well like, could have been like, that's the end of a movie is when he decides to put on the uniform and take the responsibilities of a doctor, you know? Um, yeah. That could have been like the arc that they were going for, but that's really just kind of the beginning in some ways or the mid- midpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder if, um, uh, so I, I do wonder if this was originally thought up as, as two films, but probably not. I don't know. Um, According to some, uh, some uh, you know, some uh, Wikipedia and <laughs> uh, research, uh, principal photography took two years. Um, Good lord! Yeah, that's a long time. Um, and uh, apparently, this is this is a historically accurate movie set. Apparently, Kurosawa requested that the right kind of aged wood be used. Wow. That would be used in that same. Uh, region that set at the time like it's it, it, that seems super unnecessary <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but then I, I think back to um in the sahachi story uh after the earthquake just all of that rubble like mm-hmm. I, I wonder if all of that rubble is also historically accurate too because <laughs> there's a lot of rubble like they must it, it felt like they had erected several buildings and then demolished them just for that shot <laughs> yeah. um uh, so, um, uh, another fun fact that I saw was that this is the first, uh, Kurosawa film to have a magnetic four track stereo soundtrack, which is probably why the music sounds so good. Hmm. Um, the one thing I really noted about the music is that it just sounds great. Uh, I couldn't tell if that was the criterion transfer or not, but it's just, it's just a great sound and movie. Uh, the music's great. Thank you. Masa- Masaru Sato. Um, so the, uh, Takashi Shimura award. The coveted Takashi Shimura Award. Um, <laughs> well, Takashi Shimura is in this movie. <laughs> um, but we also have a bunch of other alums. Now, I, I feel like this movie uh, is riddled with with great candidates for this award. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm curious as to, as to who your picks were. Do you want to go ahead, Scott? Yeah, mine far and away is was uh, Chubo's actor who I don't have his his name in front of me on the the cast list that I'm looking at, but like as as a child actor, just the level of performance that he put in and like the the empathy that you have for Chubo as being this kind of like rowdy but endearing dirty little kid is just like spectacular for the little screen time he has. Yeah. Yeah. He's very good over the, over, over my, uh, over the time I watched this movie, I wrote down several different candidates. Um, as I went, uh, went on, I, I wrote down Sahachi at first, uh, his story takes up much of the movie and it's very moving. Um, it's like a mini film. Um, I gave an honorable mention to, to Akahige himself. Um, the movie, you know, he's the titular, he's the titular character of the movie. So I, I thought it would be unfair to give this award to him so he gets an honorable yeah. mention. Um, but he commands every single scene he's in. Yeah, definitely. 
Like, Mifune is a pro in general, but this character in particular is a strong old man with deep convictions, a huge heart, and is probably, like, at this point, like, one of the wisest Mifune uh, characters that we've seen. Uh, he's, he's, he's got it. He's, he's got it. Like, but, um, yeah, I, I'm going to have to give it to, uh, the kid who plays Chubo as well. That kid is like when he's like on his deathbed. Yes. It's also very good, but he doesn't have that like child actor vibe to him. He just seems very like he's, he's with it. Like he knows exactly how to act. It seems so genuine. It's very genuine. Like it's, it's, it's natural and it's believable, which is really important for something like this. Like, I think that like, he's one of the more believe, like, I think everybody who acts in this movie is good, but he's one of the most believable characters in the movie. Uh, yeah. That actor's name is Yoshi Takazushi. Um, on Wikipedia, they credit him as, uh, Choji, which I think is his real name. And Chubo is a nickname. Ah, uh, uh, but yeah, Cho- Chobo, I guess, or, or Chobo, Chobo. Yeah. I think it might be Chobo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yoshi Takazushi. Um, yeah, I had two picks. Um, he was the one that I was probably going to come down on. So definitely, I think the award goes to him. I was also going to mention Kyokyo Kagawa that plays the Mantis. Um, oh, yeah. You know, like as much as it's a kind of like squiggy scene in some ways, like she really does command that like she like draw like really um you know, draws attention to herself and the, and the way that, um, when she's like really, really about like about to kill him, basically the veins in her head are popping and her eyes just get so like crazy intense. Like, uh, I was just very, uh, impressed and struck, uh, by her performance in that. Yeah. Um, that scene is incredibly tense. And Mm -hmm. what's, what's funny about that is that like, this is, it's kind of tropey when it comes to movies like this. When you, when you have a, a character who uh, who has been abused and is uh, you know a Black Widow type character, we've seen this in other movies before. But uh, she really brings some gravitas to that scene, and uh, and how she's shot, I think, also helps a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, like you sort of know you sort of know what's going to happen, but at one point, I kind of let my guard down a little bit. Um, yeah, I, she's, she's really good too. Um, the, the way I was paying attention to that scene, uh, ended up being kind of like a weird little magic trick for me almost in misdirection because the entire time I was watching that scene, uh, Yasumoto is still in his like fancy clothes and he has a, a, a Tonto, like a knife tucked into his belt. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah. watching that knife the whole time and like watching her hands and then like, I kept expecting her to grab that. And then like, I completely missed her grabbing the hairpin. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Pretty, uh, pretty good stuff. But like, as far as like this sort of like criteria of like scene stealing performance, like I feel like she really does like shine like in that scene in particular, but like, uh, but yeah, I think the Chobo actor I think is who ultimately strikes us all. Um, for sure. Uh, to the point where I thought maybe he was an adult. (laughs) (laughs) He was very good. Um, Okay, so uh, this is going to be an interesting one. Shall we dance? The, the, uh, the basically, can this, 
Can this movie be remade for American audiences? And if so, how? It feels very universal. Like it feels like a, you know, it's like house or something, you know, it's a, the, the grumbly mm-hmm. doctor with a heart, you know, um, teaches, teaches, uh, a privileged guy to, you know, get off his high horse. It's a pretty like basic storyline that I think would work, uh, in any culture or time period really. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny they mentioned the timelessness of the, of this and the fact that like uh, several of us thought that this was not a period piece. Uh, it was more of a contemporary <laughs> thing, because like when you when you when you read about it, it's like oh yeah, this is this is this is a story that you can tell now, right? Like, uh, and just when you think of like his like Jidaigeki, you don't think about doctors really, you know? Like, you it's don't just, no. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of interesting in that way. Um, who would who would play these? Uh, who would play the main characters? I, that's that's tough for me to say, just because I I don't know. I think that anybody could really play Yasumoto's character. It's a very, uh, it's a very easy, you know, uh, you know, brash, whiny guy, learns his lesson and becomes, uh, you know, a doctor with conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to hold a candle to Mifune, and that kind of stern. Stern character. That's like I almost want to say Clint Eastwood. Mm. Uh, just, <laughs> just typecasting. Yeah, right. Like, because <laughs> he he's based. Yeah, like he's the man with no name. It's the same <laughs> same guy, but just older. I don't know. Like that's that's the first person that comes to mind. Uh, but I, you know, the the taciturn doctor and the brash young apprentice like trope is is so well worn in. Uh, in Western media too, that it's hard to like not go to immediate things like house or something. But, uh, honestly, the, the immediate person that I thought of is having the right, like kind of no nonsense taciturn demeanor, but then being able to switch to like compassion, uh, for me was Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah. Sitting here, my my idiot brain is like, then Will Smith should play Yasumoto. Oh like, man, no, not wrong direction. <laughs> yes, no, no, I like oh, it. Man. <laughs> no, better yet, I I can I'll 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 do you one better. Uh, Akahige would be played by Will Smith, and Yasumoto <laughs> is played by Jaden Smith. <laughs> oh my lord, no! God, that would uh, be. We such did that. A, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so this movie can be made can be remade great um <laughs> all right any other lingering thoughts um i think mm. we covered everything off the top of my head yeah yeah I, just great. the the ending of it uh, of them walking off into the sunset like i totally chuckled and made a joke to myself like well and that was the end of a very long pilot to the tv the medical drama tv series akahige because it uh. definitely like feels like <laughs> yeah. they're off to like conquer some no- more adventures you know do you do you um, think this could be remade into an anime oh i don't know i think more like a medical tv series or something but <laughs> it did get yeah. remade into a live action tv series in 2017 there we go did it. there it is um, wow that's really recent yep in uh, japan I, yep hmm. i uh also i looked it up and the reason that they had the that uh, Mifune and Kurosawa had their falling out was because uh, 
Kurosawa took so long to make this movie <laughs> and he demanded that Mifune have his real natural beard for all the shooting. Oh boy. Aww. So he had to have a full beard for however many years this movie took Two to years. make. And it cost Mifune so many other acting roles, especially given how fast that like the rest of the Japanese studio system worked. So oh. he basically lost a lot of income working on this movie and it made the him very bitter towards Kurosawa for a long time. Wow. That's th- wow. That's a, that's something. I, I, I mean, yeah, that's costing him money and uh, to a movie that like most people who are, you know, familiar with Kurosawa's library don't even know that this movie exists. It, it apparently still did well in, in Japan. So it wasn't like a complete disaster. And he, Mifune's career did fine afterwards, but, but yeah, that's, that's what caused the rift. Wow. It's funny that like this movie took two years because the the character who plays uh, Choji or Chobo, um, I feel like he's older in the scene where he's dying. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely looks older, but that might be the makeup. Um, But either way, that's super interesting. Um, I at one point would like to do like a mini uh, episode sort of focused on uh, the Japanese studio system and how it operated. Um, Just kind of like a little like a little mini history, but you know, mm-hmm. that's, that, I think that'd be something that, uh, that the listeners would dig and, and it would be fun to learn about. So, um, I'm, uh, on, on air posing this to you. Uh, so that does it for Akahige. What do we have next month? Scott. And that's right. Scott is back doing a movie because, uh, Torasan's, um, 50th anniversary is this year. So Joey's going to be doing, uh, doing the one for um for august so hopefully we can get back on track so that lines up properly <laughs> yeah otherwise yes. yeah scott's movie is kind of g- gonna be in august too but maybe <laughs> towards the end of august we can do the uh, 50th anniversary yeah. special yeah great um well, scott. so uh my movie is i'm doing a suggestion uh, by listener nathan wiedemer uh i'm going a little gonzo we're doing message from space oh boy <laughs> Fun. Uh, I have not seen this. Uh, I have heard lots of things. Uh, Joey, I think you, did you see this a couple weeks ago? I, yeah, I recently screened this uh, at um, a movies, a monthly movie thing that I do in Athens. And um, I've seen it before. I own it. And I <laughs> uh, wanted Alex to see it for quite a while because it is yes. uh, Star Wars-y. Yep. Yeah, I've, you I've did. I've had a lot of. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, you've brought this movie up to me before, and this is the um, this is the movie with the it has like uh, it's largely American, right? This is the uh, it's a co-production. Ca- it, it has American, yeah. well, it has American um, actors as well as uh, Japanese dubbed. actors. Yeah, uh, I I remember seeing a couple clips from this movie. I'm really excited. Um, I'm very excited to watch this movie. Yeah, I've had a lot of Star Wars on the brain lately, so I'm this seemed like the go-to thing. Well, that Great. sounds fun. I always have stories on the brain. Well, well, <laughs> uh, then uh, we'll look forward to that. But let's get some plugs out of the way. Pluggy, pluggy, pluggy. Um, uh, first, uh, first, first of Lee, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Duke, dude exclamation all in word, um, and I'm also on Instagram if you want. Uh, I'm on the One Piece podcast every week, talking about One Piece. Um, Wano arc is in full swing so occasionally I'll be talking about the anime which is also really good 
these days. And um, uh, I don't have much to plug that uh, listeners are, like time sensitive stuff. So, um, so yeah, follow follow that. Listen to uh, uh, or yeah, listen to One Piece podcast and um, follow Weeb Simpsons on Twitter. Uh, Scott. Uh, people can find me at Friska Chat on Twitter, V-R-I-S-K-A-C-H-A-T. Uh, I don't have anything to plug right now. Um, by the time this is out, I think it will still be a little bit t- before DragonCon. Um, but uh, if you're headed there in the beginning of September, uh, find me and say hi. I'm a giant blonde person. Nice. And I am... Uh, at Joey Weiser on Twitter and Joey Weiser Comics on Instagram, uh, where you can see stuff about my uh, comics work. I just had a brand new graphic novel called Ghost Hog out in uh, hardcover, softcover, and digital. So uh, find it, read it, enjoy it. Um, it hey, speaking of uh, message in space and stuff, it, if you're in the Athens, Georgia area, um, <laughs> the third Thursday of every month, I screen. Uh, movies under the name Pachinko Pop Cinema. So um, just look up the Athens Flickr Film Society on Facebook and you'll get all the details for that. Um, and as for uh, Toho Yaro, uh, we're on t- Twitter at Toho Yaro and we have a Facebook page that you can like as well. Um, and email us at tohoyaro at gmail.com and, uh, and rate and review. That really uh, helps us out a lot if you can uh, do that. Great. Um, Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next month for Message from Space. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye-bye.